So currently there's 800 million people across the world that are considered at least semi-literate, if not completely illiterate. My grandmom could totally use this. <laughs> Everyone responds like that. Welcome to the Stylist Free Podcast. Today we have Raul and Jay Nanavati, founders of LitOS and Tech MBA students at Cornell Tech here with me, about to graduate in a few weeks. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks, Brad. So why don't you tell the listeners what LitOS is, the idea behind it? Yeah, so uh, LitOS essentially is a mobile operating system built specifically for people of low literacy levels. That means that we're removing text out of the entire operating system and replacing it with informative images and a voice assistant that is uh, contextually aware and helps users uh, not only use the functions that they already use, like phone and texting, but also help them learn new functions that they're currently learning from their network of people around them. And they essentially, right now, they're memorizing different patterns to, to use those functions we're trying to help them become more independent and confident. That's awesome. How big is the illiteracy rate in the world? Where are you guys targeting and how'd you get to that idea? So currently there's 800 million people across the world that are considered at least semi-literate, if not completely illiterate. Specifically in India, it's 287 million people. And our business model right now would be to consider taking a cut out of whatever the, their purchase off a phone and then you know provide that to us. Awesome. So what gave you guys the idea for the startup? Why are you guys passionate about this and are pursuing this particular project? Yeah, so before I came to Cornell Tech, I was running a mobile gaming company in in Bombay. And I was building a bunch of products that uh, were based on Western design principles. This was things that we took for granted, thought were just normal. Things like the burger icon for a menu, three horizontal lines to us is very clearly a menu. But to my users, I had to rethink all of those things because my game was breaking because of those uh, specific design principles that I was using and, and leveraging just naturally because it was what I was using as well. So it was during that trial and error process of building these games in India for the Indian market that I found the need to rethink design at a fundamental level for these first time smartphone users. Yeah, that brings up something I was thinking about is, is illiteracy different per country or per region? So you're saying the hamburger menu doesn't work in India. So is your guys' product focused on India and you'll have to make different, I guess, mods of the operating system for different countries that have different imagery that would be useful for illiterate people? Or how does that work? Yeah, very likely that we'll need to, once we expand out of different markets, cater to the illustrative icons that work within those markets. Right now, we're focusing on India specifically, so we're really able to build this product from the ground up and make design decisions that might seem not general enough to, to scale globally, but would be able to be very poignant for the Indian market. And that's kind of the beauty behind the product. Awesome. So what are some examples of some imagery that you are using that caters toward the Indian market? Yeah, so uh, I, I think the way we're thinking about it right now is not necessarily that it is specifically for the Indian market. It's just a, a result of us both being Indian, mm -hmm. have uncovered this mm -hmm. problem in India. But what we're testing right now, for example, if you were to look at replacing the phone icon, which right now is, is a normal handset, like an old school handset, uh, we're replacing that with an actual comic image of a person on a smartphone. And that is the icon. So it's much more literal, literal 
and um, explains what the function is rather than assuming people will understand what a specific icon means. Another hypothesis that we're testing and we'll see how that works out is when we're talking about messaging, we actually have an icon of them sending physical mail uh, in a mailbox versus having you know the icon that we're very used to looking at, which is the messaging icon. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see how that translates because it's very likely that they're using you know snail mail most of the time and they have that kind of imagery linking to that function. Right. Yeah, I think that's more relevant to your question, actually. That specific image that we're using, it actually uses the Indian mailbox, which yeah. no American <laughs> would understand what this red box thing is. So that is very specifically Indian, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I like the concept behind it. What it sounds like, instead of just an icon or like one still image to represent something, you guys kind of have a picture or a scene going mm -hmm. on to help people place themselves in that image. I can jump in a little bit more on this on this topic. We can't take full credit for the idea. This has been based on uh, research done over the last 10 to 15 years in the space of uh, HCI 4D, which is human-computer interaction for development. Uh, one of our professors here at Cornell Tech is one of the leading researchers in that space as well, who's Nikki Dell. And Tapan Barak, who's another professor here, has also done a lot of work in that space. But Indrani Medhi, who works in Bangalore, the Microsoft Research Center, she's done extensive 200 to 500 person studies on what is the best representation for this demographic specifically. She tested images, uh, like real photographs. She tested icons. Um, she tested what we're doing, comic-based, like three colors and very bold outlines make it very simple and abstracted away from anything else. Videos and even voice. So out of all of these three three things, the comic was the one that's that won the test. So cool. And are you guys making your comics from scratch with a designer, or is there a data set from this past research that you can pull in to use natively? Yeah. So right now, because it's in alpha, it's not publicly available. We're actually pulling from WikiHow's database. <laughs> They've used exactly that art style. I, I guess they came to the same conclusion because they're trying to make WikiHow very accessible to as many people as possible without having a dependency on translations. So they use that exact same art style. Cool. Yeah, I didn't remember what WikiHow was when you first said it, but that's where you go like how-to step-by-step and they have a comic mm -hmm. for each one. So yep. it kind of summarizes an action together. That's really cool. That makes, makes a lot of sense. So how are you guys envisioning actually from a technological perspective, putting this out onto the smartphones and making it so people can actually use it as their operating system? How's that? So it's it's been kind of a difficult journey to figure out exactly the best way to go to market, technologically speaking. One thing that we've realized is that if we were to, like, say, develop a suite of applications instead and put that onto existing operating systems, it doesn't work because, you know, illiterate people, they, they kind of give up on the process on the first sign of an obstacle. And so when you're dealing with an operating system that isn't optimized for them, they won't even make it to your application you know, they just give up immediately. So we realize we need to have an end-to-end -end solution and have this be an operating system so that they can, from the moment they open their phone, navigate to all these different functionalities and be able to actually, you know, embrace the ecosystem versus particular functionalities or particular features. That's great. So how there's different language settings, I could set my phone language to Spanish, English. Are you guys thinking of going that route where you just change the setting to LitOS and then that way everything just from the ground up is based off of your structure or how do you actually get the get it in there well so there's there's a language dependency 
to a degree in LidOS as well when it comes to the voice assistant part. We want to be able to you know, have that voice assistant speak in a language that they can closely understand. Right now we have Google's library which has something like nine Indian languages that it supports. So we're going to actually incorporate those different regional languages and have the virtual assistant speak in that dialect. Was your question around how to like actually integrate LittleOS and how it's going to be activated? Right, because you have these, exactly, you have these smartphones out there already. Like how do you actually get that operating system into that smart, the right. software into the hardware? Right, so that that is actually going to take like partnering with OEMs. Uh, those are handset manufacturers and brands in India and work create partnerships with them and we would be the ones loading loading the operating system onto the handset so that when they open when they buy it when a consumer buys it at a shop opens it up the first thing they see is all right LittleOS operating system there's no other operating system on there so it's not an application that you can flick on and off so it'll be completely tied to the okay. handset that people purchase. So it doesn't even sit on top of Android, it's completely its own operating system? No, it is a custom Android okay. operating system, mm-hmm. but we will be uh, integrating that Android operating system, which will be LittleOS, directly with the handset manufacturer. Cool. So it wouldn't be a launcher per se, it would be exactly. you know, a native operating system. Awesome. Yeah. So they, when they buy the phone, it's already ready to go. So they don't right. have to figure out the settings to get in there, which would probably be a big barrier. Exactly. Yeah, exactly the exactly. big reason we didn't go with the launcher is because just, just think about trying to get through your smartphone in Japanese. And you're trying to, you open up your phone, it's in Japanese, and you're trying to get to the Google Play Store and search in Japanese <laughs> for a English keyboard. It can get pretty uh, obstructive. Something I like about this, different technology being made for a specific group of people, in this case, illiterate people, it also can be very useful down the line for anyone. If illiterate people can use it, I could use it too, mm-hmm. to use the pictures and stuff. So kids learning smartphones, I, I see a huge... The elderly. The elderly, yeah. A huge thing. Yeah, I see a huge opportunity for this to go beyond the target demographic in the future. Yeah, that's the, that's the hope. Uh, right now, we're actually considering like the older demographic as well because anybody we show this to is like, my grandmom could totally use this. <laughs> Everyone responds like that. And like that's a much, much more monetizable user base um, rather than the people that have low literacy levels just because they're necessarily from a lower economic bracket. Um, so we're looking at that as something maybe that has a better unit economics business in the short term while we build out this in the long term. But there's a lot of stuff going on. We're only only about two and a half months into LittleOS right now. So a lot of different opportunities to to consider. And so where are you guys right now? So you're two and a half months in. What's the story so far of your progress? So tech-wise, we've developed out a prototype. We've built out certain core functionalities. They include a dialer so that they're able to add a contact and actually make a phone call. Uh, a messaging application that takes into account some of the things that we've talked about and makes it friendly for illiterate people. Uh, a direct image search application. Yeah. Part of our narrative is the idea that we need to provide them accessibility to the internet. And image search seemed like the most obvious way to go forward on that. We're definitely iterating on that and seeing how we can give them more access to the internet. And the, the most recent advancement that we've had is actually the idea of a remote companion app. You know, we're, we're striving for complete independence, but the likelihood is that people are still going to depend on you know a network of people around them to help them figure out different functionalities on the phone. 
So if you think about almost like a team viewer for an illiterate person to be able to contact a loved one uh, and have them remote show them how to do something on their phone, that's what we're trying to build out and make it kind of integrated into the native solution and make it you know, easy for them. Awesome. So when you say image search, is that mainly just using voice in order for exactly. them to find the exactly. images? Cool. That's yeah, super useful. Yeah. Giving people access to the internet. Yeah. yeah. Very, very useful stuff. Exactly. Awesome. So what are you guys' next steps and future plans from, from here? Yeah. So the next steps are um, to do some extensive user research. Right now, we've been kind of constrained being in, in New York. We've been very lucky to have a bunch of pe people in India Bangladesh and Ivory Coast who are doing our testing for us remotely. So I think once once we graduate, it would be a probably a six to eight month slog on the ground all around India, speaking to users on a daily basis and really figuring out what the right design is for them. Some interesting stuff that's come out of the user research so far, canned responses into the text application, the messaging application. Um, we had a thumbs up, a thumbs down, a heart, and a keyboard icon. Oh, and a, uh, and a phone icon, sorry. So if somebody sends you a message, you can respond with one of those three, and it's like, yes, no, or call me, right? And we thought that was pretty, we, we could rely on those icons, and out of the research it came that we can't rely on those icons <laughs> because a lot of these users actually are on Facebook, surprisingly. Um, their family members, their networks have already got them on Facebook. So they've been conditioned to understand that thumbs up is like. So they thought thumbs up means like, thumbs down means dislike. So they were like, I don't know why this is here. So there's a lot of user research work and that's going to be our, our next step. Right. That's something I've talked with people in other classes, like emojis mean different things to different people. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. How do you get the definition of an emoji in your context that everyone can understand, especially I know India is a big country. I don't know. Yeah. I know there's differences between like North India, South India. Yep. I don't know. Does that factor in? Do you think that you guys need different imagery for regions? Massively. So one great example is that between two villages, during Indrani Medhi's work, between two villages within a, I think, 30 kilometer radius, I may be completely wrong on the number, but it's close by enough for it to be surprising. One set of images were interpreted one way uh, and that was a Hindu village. And then the other village was a Muslim village. And the d importance there is not the religion, but the language that they use. The Muslim religion it was using the Ar Arabic text. So they read from right to left. And in the Hindu village, they were reading from left to right. So the way they had built that, uh, that image was being viewed from one way in one village to another way in another and completely broke down in the second village. And that's within like a 20 kilometer <laughs> radius. So the complexity involved here is, is, is staggering. So how do you guys envision counteracting that sort of dynamic where even within 30 kilometers or something like that, close mm -hmm. by, that people have a totally different understanding of the imagery being used? Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of hard work of just going on the ground, figuring that out, uh, and then localizing per specific region. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest concern is like, how do we distribute different versions of LitOS in such small proximities? Uh, that's a, a thing we're thinking about. And then another like a technology solution is really working with the voice assistant and its contextual uh, importance on each page to really be the crutch there uh, to help us like say, hey, this image means this. Yeah. So like, remember that and then keep drilling it down. So maybe we won't have to do different images for every village if we do that successfully. 
but what's promising is the fact that in this user research, the the icon that we've created for this virtual assistant that's kind of persistent through all pages in the in this operating system. People within a 10 minute span have already figured out that that's you know their SOS button per se. You know they they just go to click on it as soon as they're confused. So that's really reassuring to us that they made that connection, they figured it out, and it lets us actually provide that contextual help. Right, and they actually trust it. And to, right, to right. It. In in a ten minute, like it's great. It's really cool. Yeah, no, I'm very excited about the advent of voice, and it's really cool how you guys are applying that mm -hmm. to this technology. Because even just the past few years, the amount of increased ability my phone has to understand what I'm saying, and I'm yeah. sure like different languages, especially, it's really cool stuff. I love that. I didn't realize you guys were integrating that before. So that's, oh, that's definitely, awesome. Definitely, yeah. Well, awesome, guys. Thanks yeah. for coming on. It's super great to hear everything about LitOS, the story behind it, how you guys got to that point, and the future. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Brett. man. Thank you. Well, that was the most lit podcast ever, am I right? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please share the podcast with your friends, your family. Do it online. Do it in person. Let's get this thing as big as possible. Me, you, let's put it together. Make it huge. Let's get everyone to know about it. Everyone. Just just whoever you're talking to, just mention, oh, yeah, like this podcast I was listening to. Really cool. Yeah, my friend. All right. Maybe I don't even know. I don't know. Just do it. Let's do it big. Do it real big. All right. Much love, people. Till next time, this is the Style is Free podcast, and I'm your host, Brett Leibowitz.